So I think regulation as a word is scary for most of people. If you actually see it is nothing but to make things sensitive so that brand or any company is not making any wrong decisions or misusing the content that's available. That regulation doesn't stop you from doing things, it just What's up everybody? This is Harsh from cultivate.com and you're listening to the Life Sciences 360 podcast. On this show, I chat with industry experts and thought leaders to learn about their stories, ideas, and insights, and how their role helps bring new therapies to patients. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome to another episode of Life Sciences 360. My guest today is Kamia Elowadi, and she is the SVP of Platform and Corporate Strategy at Docare. Welcome to the show, Kamia. Thank you, Harsh, for having me. Yeah, so I've been researching your profile and as a leader in this healthcare advertising and innovation space, you you've really had a impressive career journey. How like what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were trying to be a leader in this space and how did you overcome those challenges? So, I started off from advertising communication space. When I was in advertising communication space, I realized the potential of healthcare as an industry as a category because in my past experience I started off with consumer advertising and then I moved to healthcare and when I moved to healthcare I realized how much slow con- healthcare advertising is in terms of consumer if I have to com- make a comparison. But gradually, I, I realized the, the challenges and the conversation that you have in healthcare are re- really sensitive. And those understanding those sensitive nuances of healthcare as an industry made me realize what more can be done in such a regulated environment. And when we started jumping off uh, uh, understanding about healthcare from different countries, I think that that was another interesting, good challenge I would call to have because that really nurtured down the the depth of what you can do in healthcare with with respect to each market. There are certain markets which are highly regulated that doesn't allow you to talk to consumers or patients at all. And then there are other markets, the other side of the countries that we we talk about, who allow you conversation or communication with patient, with physicians, and there's so much data available. So I think those are certain nuances that really help me understand and then take a first step to become, move towards this whole journey that I have in my career. Interesting. And as you've been in this space, so... For for Docare, like what are some of the clients that the company works with? Can you can you expand on that? So we work primarily with healthcare and pharmaceutical brands, could be medical devices. Any brand that talks to physician is what our target audience would be or target right appropriate client would be for us. Mm, okay. And what are some of the mistakes that you've seen these clients make in this healthcare advertising space that maybe you help them out in their journey? It's a very interesting question, Hush. What, what um, you know, recently we were at Digital Pharma and then we were talking to a lot of clients that we had and a lot of potential clients. The first and the foremost thing that stood out for me in that uh, event was that how limited understanding we have around data and the use of data really? that can be done. The United States as a country has so much data available in silos and marketers don't know how to connect that data. That is one thing that I feel that even uh, having the access of data doesn't really give them any confidence. They just don't know how to connect and that's the biggest mistake while they're planning their 
you know next uh, campaign or next uh, actions for any brand yeah i i agree with you because being in this life sciences space like i worked mostly in quality regulatory and compliance but i would agree with you on the same idea that yes there's a lot of data it's not that there's shortage of data uh, there's also not a shortage of quality data because the data that companies have is very good the shortage or or the common challenge that everyone's facing is how to make a decision using that data right so when the time comes to make a decision whether it's about marketing advertising compliance they have to go to five different systems or get five people to get a simple answer when it should be data at their fingertips or not at the at least within 30 minutes they should be able to figure out you know so i i've seen the same challenge yeah i agree and that's what we try and uh, we are trying to solve so that we bring on uh, bring in all data that's available in silos to healthcare marketer and bring that to single platform so that you know it's easier to use easier and faster to create analytics around so that's what our entire effort is toward making marketers life easier when it comes to data i like to believe that you know most of healthcare marketers have this concept called data blindness even if everything is in front of us we don't really know how to connect apart from connecting we don't know how to read or decode that data we just like to grab that data and sit over it for for a long time mm-hmm. yeah data blindness i i've not heard of that term before but yeah i i see where <laughs> you're coming from so with with the obviously we mentioned about data and because you mentioned about data i have to go sort of into ai and generative ai and machine learning because most companies that are dealing with data they are going to use ai or natural language processing in some capacity whether it's marketing or drug discovery or you know whatever it is so have you done any like proof of concepts or pilots or tested out ai internally so yes we we have actually worked on some of ai and machine learning tools we are working and you know evaluating some uh, planning tools which can be utilized as we were talking about how data is available in abundance and people don't know how to utilize that data so our a uh, planning tool will help marketers to identify the right source of data bring it together to put a plan marketing plan together for next year for next next year and they can do it through different channels different type of targeting that they want to achieve so those are certain things that we want to do but our ultimate goal to reach is to create a open network ecosystem where marketers can bring in the partners they are working with already bring them and integrate in one system so that they don't have to only work with us they don't have to disconnect what whoever they are working with they can integrate their bio for the ease for the comfort that they have with other partners and connect it in as one open network for themselves so that they can understand think it more like an iOS when you have a new phone you keep downloading different apps as per your requirement you can personalize your whole experience how you want to build it and that's how we see docare as a whole where we want to become like that system for any pharma marketer where they they can add multiple different apps or partners that they work with and integrate and make it more like a seamless experience for themselves wow okay 
Yeah, that's the interest analogy that you made with the iOS. And as we're talking earlier, you mentioned, you know, the challenges with being in a regulated space and every country has different regulations of what you can do and cannot do. So how does your team constantly be in the loop of all these changing regulations that are happening in this space? So I think regulation as a word, as a term, is is scary for most of people. If you actually see it is nothing but to make things sensitive so that brand or any company is not making any wrong decisions or misusing the the content that's available. That regulation doesn't stop you from doing things, it just helps you to do it in a in a more sensitive environment. And I would say we have a dedicated team of paralegals who regularly you know work and monitor the kind of changes that are happening because we are right now present in uh, multiple continents multiple countries so we cover from asia we cover approximately 20 countries from uk office we cover uh, all eu5 as well which is again a sensitive market and from us we cover canada so we we are in in a space where we have to understand different market aesthetics, different market regulation to keep ourselves abreast. And we we have dedicated team to do that. And I've seen the similar challenge on, on my side, also keeping up with different regulations. Again, I, I agree with you when when we utter the word regulation or compliance, people just have like a very... It's not a negative, but it's like a concerning or a stressful feeling because it's like they have to do something which they're not going to like. But the other way of looking at it is most regulations, again, this is, might be too simplified or a generalized statement, but most regulations are just business sense, right? You know, and I had some other guest on the podcast who said, you know, what if tomorrow FDA or EU came and whatever regulations popular in your industry or your space, they just took that regulation and said, you know what, just forget that this regulation existed, do what you want. What would, what would everyone do, right? Like we would think of all the risks, we would think of all the things that could go wrong. So a regulation has already done that. It's not, you know, it's not a negative thing. It, in some cases, it's just what's practical, what's common sense, protecting patients' data, protecting sensitive data. So that's how I look at it when people have that stressful feeling with the word. So I've had this discussion with many people who work in the regulated space. And one of the frustrating parts that they all mentioned, which I'm sure you faced at some point, either in your role or just within the company, how do you follow regulations and still be innovative, right? Because people complain, oh, I cannot follow the regulations and do something new. So can you explain maybe case study or an example of how you've been in that situation and how did you balance the regulation and the innovation? Interesting. I think care as a concept itself is something which is innovative in the nature and where you you are in front of HCP right when they are with the patient. That itself is something which I would call as an innovation because um, earlier, if you see, we were in a single channel approach where a physician uh, would meet a rep and have a conversation about that pharma brand and there was no checkpoints or check mechanism we had. 
then we started going to a multi channel approach where there were different channels to reach out to that physician could be event could be reps could be any other medium and then we started cross channel and then now omni channel there are so many buzzwords that we keep talking about but at the same time i think throughout we have always focused to keeping patient as in a center and the universe of healthcare revolved around that right. right now our whole approach is towards making hcp as a single center and then touching upon multiple you know multiple channels to reach to that physicians and be- making that seamless journey and making that connection from his 7 am coffee having a conversation with a peer or that those entire days journey can have a multiple touch point and that itself is something i would call as innovation because earlier that was not available a if even if it was available in in some sense i would not say it was available in 100% sense but even if micro pieces was were available there was no way to connect it that my hcp saw that one message in the morning now i want to buzz that hcp again one more time in afternoon or evening so that i i am better on recall it was all dependent on brick and mortar approach where a rep will go visit the office identify the time they might talk might not talk you don't know that so those things which were not there itself and now it's coming i will say that is innovation for me right right yeah it's happening in many spaces you mentioned like more personalized more touch points and not like a generic or traditional approach i've also seen this happen in the clinical trial space with patient enrollment and things of that nature where a lot of digital tools are being used to have like a more personalized experience so this is something i have to ask you because you mentioned that you know you have teams in different uh, places you have clients in asia europe first of all how do you get all the people on your team internally to work in a collaborative manner or to have that single focus because being in different corners of the world just hiring people in india versus europe is is all different right so how do you go about building like a collaborative team that always has like a single vision to work on uh interesting so we we have a robust onboarding process we have a hr who would uh, walk each employee through the processes through the channels make the initial introductions bit to the company where where they can come to a level of understanding and then we also met, uh, do a buddy program where which means that somebody who's coming new in the system is accompanying or shadowing another employee who's already existing in system so that just help and make sure that you know new person who's joining in maybe from a different country maybe from a different region and working on your campaigns your programs in your country so you can just partner with them to understand and that becomes like a springboard whenever you have a question you go to that buddy whenever you have any any concern anything that is not clear you go to that buddy so that buddy program has really helped us you know building that collaborative team and we also have lot of in-house town halls that we keep doing on culture on different aspects of mentoring so that's something which is prime focus and okay for us because i know it's such a big challenge to bring everyone from different places together and hold them together it's not it has never been easy we were one person team from we have grown to uh, approximately 150 team members across 
So it is good the number of employees we have been able to retain and onboard successfully, I would say. Wow, that's that's really impressive. And there's so many things that come into play, right? It's the job description, roles and responsibilities. It's one thing. But when you're t- dealing with somebody that lives in a different country or continent, whatever, there's cultural, family just different rules like paid time off versus vacation. I know there are some countries in Europe that are have different vacation policies and they're very strict about their vacation. They don't like being bothered when they're on vacation versus in US, it's more like, okay, I'll have my phone or laptop, but I'm going on vacation. So I've seen that working in different big pharmaceutical companies, working with people in Denmark or Switzerland, all these Asia or other countries. So yeah, it's always a challenge to get work done despite of all the different factors in play. But I think digital connectivity or virtualization really have helped a lot mm-hmm. because early on it was difficult to bring everyone on same platform or connect together. Yep. Now it's much easier because people have started to accept mobility is not a barrier to uh, any any job. Right. You can be anywhere and still finish your job. So I think COVID has really helped us nurture that way to help us think that way that, you know, even if we are not in actual office space, we can still be working. And it's pretty normal because of COVID. There are certain good things that COVID has taught us. And it's one of those good things where mobility is not a barrier anymore. Right, right. I agree. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen that most of the clients when I started working with our company as well with Cultivate in consulting space. Majority of the clients that we started working with from day one have been remote. Now, eventually, once we started working with the clients, we had somebody fly in or go to drive or whatever, wherever the client is. But mobility was never a barrier in choosing us or any consultant from our team because we all knew how to get the job done, right? So, yeah, I agree that COVID was a, it was an experiment for this remote work and working from like different places. And some people have gone back to the office environment because it wasn't working for for their style of work. And other companies have adopted that this is a new way to work. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that we're talking about this topic. I recently got to know that there are digital nomad profiles, which company have started posting where you can work from any place. So they don't call it remote working anymore. They call it digital nomad profile. So it's really interesting for me to see those uh, changes coming in. Even from the words and terminology, it has evolved a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned the word digital nomad because I'm actually traveling for business in first week of October and I'm going to be gone for at least two months outside the U.S. So I'm traveling to Europe and Asia. And I've been looking at a lot of hotels or just searching like Airbnbs. And I see that word everywhere, like perfect accommodation for a digital nomad or, you know, perfect working space for a digital nomad, great Wi-Fi or even health insurance. I was looking at, OK, if I'm leaving U.S. and if I'm going to Europe with my family, I should have like a backup international health insurance or something. And there are specific health insurance just for digital nomads that cover all the the main countries where most startups are, like Amsterdam, London, like all the, the places in Europe, in India, they cover all of the cities. So it's, 
I'm already seeing a lot of businesses who are channeling in on that keyword because they know that that's what people are looking for. Yeah, and I I have a couple of my colleagues who do that, uh, who travel and who, um, you know, work in, send out emails, right, sitting out of beach, shack or something, some places. And I see those, their social persona as well as their, you know, professional persona. And it's beautiful how how amazingly they have tried to balance it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that I would be comfortable doing, or because I I am in that still old zone where I want to have schedule and structure my day. Yep, have a cut off time, all of that. But it's wonderful to see people how everyone is evolving, and some people have strike their balance between travel and working. So it's it's nice. It's different change. Good for some people who have accepted and moved to that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So looking forward in this healthcare advertising and innovation space, what do you see as some of the emerging trends? What do you where do you see this going in the next five to ten years? And how how are you planning to stay ahead of that curve? So I think there are a lot of innovation that's happening around the likes of chat GPT, the likes of decoding physicians messaging, social listening for physicians specifically within point of care system. Those are things which are really, really uh, interesting. And we see right now we are still in phase where we are accepting digital. Digital has not become like a primary plan of any pharmaceutical brand team or marketeers. I think that is one change which I see happening because because of the availability, because of the acceptability and how it is no, not a push mechanism for marketing, more like a pull mechanism. Whenever HCP requires something, they can see. Those things will, I think, uh, really help and uh, are something uh, which I see happening in next uh, one to five years. And how is your team trying to like stay ahead of, of that trend? Are you participating in like maybe roundtables or speaker sessions or conferences just to talk to other leaders in this space and bounce off ideas and stuff like that? Yes, we are actively doing that. In fact, we have a next marketing initiative, an industry initiative where, where we try to bring these kind of topics together and have a different cut towards presenting that we recently published a book around that uh, in point of care space then we have a chat show going on right now and we are working towards other similar uh, uh, initiatives where we are doing innovation uh, innovation lab or doing um, something which marketers can be part of in sharing their opinion feedback and how we uh, as an industry we can evolve so we are actively doing those kind of initiatives within the care that's that awesome, yeah. And if you want to share any of those links for, you know, so we can add that in the show notes for the audience to check out, that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, this was really great. Uh, I don't talk to many people. I don't think I've ever had anybody on the show about this topic. So it was really a lot of learning for me and I'm sure the audience are going to have something new uh, than the normal episodes that I do. So thank you so much for your time to come on to the show. Uh where can people find with you or connect with you or learn more about what you're doing? So I'm, I am uh, available on LinkedIn to connect. Our website do have our uh, uh, immediate connections with different team members, including me. So those are two spots where I can be reached out. 
All right. And before we wrap this up, any any final thoughts that you want to add uh, for the audience listening or anything you want to share before we wrap this up? Uh, I think uh, one message that I wanted and I thought, you know, I will um, speak about is uh, something about how I have evolved over time and what has helped me evolve over time. Um, I started reading a lot and that reading really helped me and transformed me who I am right now. So I spend 30 minutes every day to talk, uh, read about industry, to read about uh, what's happening around uh, in the category itself. And that has really pushed me uh, forward, five years forward. I think that is something that I, I would want to uh, leave as a final thought for listeners because that is something that has helped me and I feel that it can help marketers as well. Considering that we always look at three-year plan, five-year plan, if you're reading something which is absolutely available right now, which can impact your five-year plan, please go ahead and read. Spend that 30 minutes, it's a life-changing thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got into reading mostly during COVID. I never did much of reading before that. Uh, but during COVID, I did a lot because I got the extra hour, two hours from the commuting that I didn't have to do. Uh, and, you know, plus also my son was born during COVID. So I had a lot of times where I was up at night watching the monitor while he was sleeping. And I obviously had to, I didn't want to be on the devices all day. So I was like, okay, I need to stop looking at my computer and look at a book. And then I picked up and it was hard at first, but after a week or two, I just started, you know, picking up different topics. And and another hack that I got from one of my friends here is, uh, if you are not sure about which book or author you want to read, you can always go and buy a book on Amazon. I'm sure Amazon's done a terrific job of sending you the book within 48 hours, but you can also go to a public library and just get a bunch of books. That's what I do. I in California and also in North Carolina, I have the library card. So I go and just buy, get 15, 20 books and I just scan through them. And if I don't like it, I return it. If I do, then I'll invest in buying the money for that author. So that's just a hack I learned from my friend. <laughs> I am uh, thinking about creating a community library at my home where kids can come and be uh, have a uh, repository of books. Uh, whoever is not reading or can change um, or return, recycle. So we are considering uh, opening that uh, shortly. So I'm I'm hoping to start that uh, by next summer. Yep. Yeah, I have I haven't met a single person who has said that reading is not good for them. So yeah, uh, definitely, it's, you know, reading is one of the best It has changed things. my life. It warmed me so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kami. I really uh, enjoyed this conversation and uh, I can't wait for the audience to, to hear this as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arsh. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out the show notes in the description for a full episode summary with all the important links. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.